0: It's a bit silly, so yeah. Well, there we go. There we go. Fascists.
1: His name is Craven. He likes white ravens. And he will always use them to reduce your goal. His name is Dave. He cancels saves. He likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom. He plays for fun. And if you beat him then he'll put you in the face It's the UK's
2: fantastic podcast This episode's the worst so it's
1: probably the last With are unopposed to claim banter It's Banter Behind the Throne Hello and
0: welcome back to Banter Behind the Throne This is the episode after the last episode And my name is Dave Bamford, I'm your King of the Castle for today I'm joined by the man who does all the plumbing, Mr. Thomas Peel. Say hello, oh. Mr. Peel. Fantastic. And I'm also joined by my dirty rascal, Bambi. Say hello, Bambi. Hello. This is, uh, this is exciting for us because uh, whilst we have tried to record with Bambi, in the sort of near past, uh, technical difficulties f- prevented you from appearing on one episode and uh, scheduling difficulties for the Paramore Invitational. Episode. I'm not sure I'd say that
1: was exciting because uh, the time that we recorded before and ended up not going live was a. Well, not so I would say it was wasted three hours of my time, but obviously I love your company, so it was still a riveting experience.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> so uh, for avid listeners, they will remember uh, Bambi from uh, such episodes as the episode where I was at Worlds uh, and the <laughs> episode for the PowerMore Invitational last year. So uh, if you want, if you Good. want to hear more Bambi after this episode. Uh, you can dig back into our, uh, into our previous archive of shows And uh, enjoy yourself And uh, Which brings me on to the next uh, point Which is, uh, before we start the episode proper uh, Craven isn't with us this weekend um, As people are aware It's been an absolute arse to schedule the three of us uh, And on top of a raft of technical difficulties um, We've not been putting out episodes every week Or we've been putting them out late And so on and so forth um, Craven has been working a crazy amount of not, uh, night shifts And uh, in conjunction with uh, you know, Actually having a life Unlike Peel and I uh, It's been a bit of an ask for him to get Onto the cast uh, So basically he's not going to be with us <coughs> Probably for the next few episodes um, As he basically gets his life back on track You know uh, And uh, while he does night shift uh, Peel and I are also going to take this opportunity To uh, Move to a bi-weekly schedule For the next couple of months um, it is Not an easy thing to record And edit as at the moment Because I'm now working in London uh, And the commute is an absolute arse So until I move closer to London in, Which is you know imminent As soon as I find a place uh, I'm not uh, exactly in a good mood To edit when I get home from work um, And Peel is currently without a laptop And with Craven unavailable The whole thing is just a bit of a hassle So uh, we're going to try and move to a bi-weekly schedule From then uh accompanied by guest stars this isn't a hard and fast rule if we decide we want to do an episode and we've got the time to fit it in we will do so uh you will you probably get slightly more than once every two weeks uh but that's what we're going to aim for as a minimum going forward and uh, i can imagine we will go back to a normal schedule probably around Starlet. Uh um,
1: so I, I i had a rumor dave yeah I heard a rumor that the reason wasn't that Craven was working too much. That it? it was he was setting his rider too high and was asking for uh, too much from the cast. Like he wanted, you know, uh, sweets on his desk when he arrived, his own wardrobe, uh, intro songs. Can you confirm or deny this rumor?
0: Um, the official split reason currently is musical differences, uh, okay. and I think we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> However, I am open to questions and bribes, so please feel free to send your bribes or questions to myself. You can either send them to PayPal, or I will happily give out my address via private message. Thank you.
0: <laughs> if only I could get the address of any Thrones player I wanted on demand, though.
2: You can <laughs> you just gotta gotta be forward with it. Stroke their leg a bit.
0: Okay, sure. I'll bear that in mind. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Moving on to the content for this week's episode Uh, Bambi has put in a fantastic showing at the Dutch Nationals recently with a rather off-kilter deck so we're going to discuss that Uh, We're going to cover some of the listeners' questions that we tried to cover several weeks ago but failed uh, spectacularly Uh, and uh, we are then going to talk about Peel's Cat which seems to be a recurring uh, recurring theme for this section of episodes Um, and then we're going to end with a new segment uh, and we'll see if you like that uh, it, it, I've missed having a segment. I used to like uh, cards beginning with. That was uh, always a nice end to the episode. You could always drag it out to fifteen minutes if you needed to pad the episode a bit. So um,
1: that was the only bit I used to listen to.
0: Oh well, I don't blame you.
1: <laughs> it was our finest
0: one uh, I honestly don't blame you. It was it was brilliant. I loved cards beginning with. Uh, for it was those, magical. For those of our newer fans who uh, didn't listen before Christmas, uh, for our first. 25 episodes or so, we did a, did a segment where we would end the episode with uh, our favourite cards beginning with a letter, so in the first episode we did our favourite cards beginning with A, and so on and so forth. Uh, now, they were all first edition cards, um, I think it was only by the time we got like T or something that second edition even launched in the UK, uh, so it's kind of um, kind of pointless by that point. Uh, but in the later episodes we do, uh, we do go into detail as to what the first edition cards do. Uh, so it is quite a, a fun segment if you want to uh, go and see what kind of cards interested us in what kind of decks we like playing with all these janky cards that are on first edition so if you want to listen to the last 15 minutes of every episode and boost some of our listening figures feel free
2: just go back listen to them, boost them
0: I've, I've met okay. newer players who have said yeah I got bored and went back through your entire archive and I was like well you're an idiot uh, <laughs> basically Bambi would you like to talk to us about uh, Dutch Nationals tell us all about it and uh, tell us what you did
1: I would love to, David. So, um, Dutch nationals was the weekend of the date that was previous to this current day. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know what the date is. <laughs> was it last
2: week or the week before that?
1: <laughs> it was uh, the eighteenth or something. Anyway, the weekend, and uh, yeah, I've um, I. I've, I've been one of the more vocal people, let's say, in terms of 2.0 being rather stale and stagnant from my personal opinion. And yes, I'll fully admit that a large part of that comes down to the smaller card pool. But in addition, and I think due to the fact that a lot of the people have gotten from the ground running, the meta has also become a bit stagnant. Yes, there is still some... Ingenuity, But for the most part, people are playing the same decks, i.e. Lanny Dragon, Stark Fealty, you know, the regular decks that see play. Uh, more recently, however, uh, there's been a resurgence of creativity. And if you look at some of the more recent results, such as uh, Ryan Wood's win at UK Nationals with his Stark um kind of old school house of dreams gates of winterfell from first edition type deck which is still for the the most part playing like a stark fealty deck however it's gone in more on synergy between some of the less played cards which for me makes it more interesting to see some of the different cards being played and then the the real thing that kind of inspired me was Whammer's Sun Garden deck which no offence Whammer you could have come up with a way better title than NAF tile
0: Whammer well, um, is normally really good at deck titles
1: that is by yeah, far his worst one yeah I was very disappointed I mean thankfully it was a good deck because if it was a shit deck I'd probably just defriended him at that point having both a bad deck tile and a bad deck <laughs> um, but uh, yes his, his Sun Garden deck which was yeah really really beautifully designed deck Um, I tried to play it myself and played it very poorly. And uh, I spoke with Wam at length about the deck. Um, But it set me down a path, effectively, of trying to create something that was new. The primary reason being that one of the first times I played Thrones, a good friend of the show and of mine, Vince T from France, said to me something along the lines of... um, If you want to win bigger tournaments in Thrones, you need to put something in your deck that people don't expect. And for those who know Vince, whenever he plays Thrones decks, he will never stick to convention. It will always be something that he's brewed up that really catches you off guard. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily work, but sometimes it's beautiful for first edition players. He played a deck that constantly recycled... What was that Arc Master Dave that let you Valor numerous times?
0: Uh, Marwin. It was the neutral Marwin. Marwin, Yeah. When he dies, trigger a plot in your opponent's no, in a
1: used pile, I think. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But it, it was it was magical. Um, so that made me, you know, Vince telling me that I've always tried to do something a bit more creative if I can. Um. And, yeah, with the Dutch Nationals coming and me being very, very bored with the the general meta, um, I decided to try and create something a bit different. Um, The primary reason being, A, that, as I've already mentioned, it's quite stale, but B, for me, the thing that second edition misses most is hidden information. For example the two things you play around primarily are tears and put to the sword and everything else you kind of play around. But for the most part, they're the two things you care about and all the other information is on the board in front of you. So you can make all of your decisions within the available information that's on the board. And I find that that makes the game more a challenge of, mathematics than it does of strategy and bluffing and deception which is what i enjoy more about the game so i wanted to try and create something a bit more fun that had a few tricks up its sleeve so looking at whammer's sun garden deck obviously one of the linchpins of that deck being varus um and seeing the kind of surge in popularity of Nights Watch with Craven, obviously, he was looking at that as a perspective. I uh, decided to create a Nights Watch banner of the Wolf Deck, and this was after you know numerous iterations of various decks that weren't really working. And for me, when you want to come up with something creative, and I wrote this in my um, article posting on Thrones DB, it's really important to. You know, players like no offense to another good friend of the show, Rowan, but Rowan will often play Jank, and when he plays his Jank, it's very rarely good. Most of the time, it's bad, and, <laughs> and I wouldn't
0: go that far.
1: Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> it's I mean, you rarely have to tier one. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a that's a better uh, synopsis of it, I guess. But um, what I wanted to try and do was to kind of Come up with something that was different and air quotes janky, but was able to hold its own in a competitive environment. Because at this current point in time, I feel like we need to have more of this ingenuity and creativity in deck building. But to make that stick, we need to come up with something that can compete. And if it can't compete, I mean, you know, it's fun for a casual game. But when you go to tournaments, people are still going to play the same old shit. Um, so yeah, that's that was my kind of backbone of what I wanted to try and do, which sounds like I'm just talking out of my ass because I just created a deck that had some cards in. But that was my kind of theory behind what I wanted. So I, again, uh, put in Varys was the first thing. So my theory behind the deck was try and create something that left your opponent with little left on the board to do anything. Now, without having Valor at all, there are very few situations where your opponent's board is empty. And in 1st edition, because of Valor and numerous other things, that often happened towards the end of the game, that your opponent would be left with nothing. And there's nothing better than that crushing feeling of your opponent's face when they realise that their game is over and there's nothing they can do about it. And uh, that's what I want to try try and do, in essence. So the kind of key cards of the deck I put in place were Varys so I could clear the board. And um, two of my eight games, Varys just won me games because you know, I can't believe that the meta has evolved to a state whereby no one expects Varys. And every time I put Varus down, people are like, "Oh my god, Varys! Well, yeah, come on! <laughs> H- how do not more people play this card? Like, yes, he's expensive. Yes, there are ways to kill him or stop him. But you know, it's the one complete reset in the game currently. So I'm surprised that more people don't play more Varys. Then in addition to that, I wanted to try and do something that could leverage my poorer character quality against my opponents. So the uh, sneakier aspect of the deck was originally two copies of Take the Black, but then down to two copies. And most people, when I say most people, some people will be thinking, Take the Black. What is this card? I've played this game since the core set. I've never heard of it. What does it do? Well, I will tell you. It's a three-gold Night's Watch event that allows you to take control of an opponent's non-unique character with cost six or less, which is amazing. And for this deck that I was playing, it was more of a... Sure, sometimes you get good results out of it. For example, in a couple of games, I stole ranging parties. But for some of the time, I would steal a reducer or... Uh, fiery followers or something that just meant we traded cards and yes i lost a bit of gold but it reduced my opponent's b- board state and that's what i was trying to do with the deck was make sure my opponent's board state was always thinned through varus take the black ward and um, so i had three copies of ward in the deck to try and steal as many things as possible And again, sometimes i get good value out of it, but a lot of the time I would just steal something. Um, There were a few games where it got pretty tight because i play against, for example, uh, Night's Watch opponents or Targaryen opponents where their characters that cost four or less have no attachments, so that was quite frustrating. But there's often something you can take. And then the thing that kind of tied all that together was playing two copies of March to the Wall. So I would steal all my opponent's characters And then whichever big ones they had left, I would march them to the wall. And um, in one particular game, I mean, I'm not going to go through my entire deck list. You can find it on Thrones DB. It's sitting on there somewhere. Um, But in one particular game, you know, this deck can have really magical turnaround moments. And one of the things that I was looking for is to have a deck that can recover from nothing. And if you look at the meta now, especially the kind of prevalence of Lannister decks, those decks are good, but they're not very good at recovering. And if they fall behind, I personally feel that unless they get a lucky trigger from a Gregor or something, they are difficult to come back from unless you kind of draw better card quality overall, which Lannister obviously does. But if you were playing in a a competitive meta, that's not necessarily enough. So I wanted my deck to be able to recover. And recover well, it does. So in one of my games, my opponent got ahead. I was kind of struggling to get control of the board. But I had tricks and things that could keep me in the game and keep my opponent guessing. So um, in one of the games, for example... My opponent had uh, a Robert Baratheon uh, reducer and fari followers, and he uh, did a... Oh, the Robert Baratheon had a Lightbringer, that's the one. It had a Lightbringer, so he could do a military challenge, stand it up, uh, do various other things, and kind of try and kneel out my board so I couldn't do anything. Um, But through, you know, tactical use of nightmares and various other things, I was uh, able to keep his board knelt going into my challenges so I could do a military challenge. Then using my old forest hunter, I could chuck cards to get more gold back and then go into dominance with Danella Hornwood on the board who reduces the cost of the first loyal card you play or marshal. Um, was able to play a take-the-black-for-two, stealing his five followers, and then marching Robert Brathy into the wall in the pot phase. So from a, fa- a kind of position where I was struggling to be in the game, I completely demolished my opponent's board, and then locked him out of the game with White Tree, and- which led to him saying that that was the least fun he'd ever had playing a card game, which made me feel very special and warm inside.
0: It is a wonderful
1: feeling. It is indeed. <laughs> um, so, kind of, yeah, in essence... That's my general overview of reasons why I wanted to play the deck and kind of some insight into how the deck works. It's very fun to play. Um, and thankfully, I, you know, I've been talking to a few people who've been taking it for a, a test run to see if it works. But uh, yeah, I, I guess at this point, Dave and Peel. Mm-hmm. Give me your uh, bit of your insight on the the meta and how you think it's going, and if you think I'm talking complete and utter bullshit.
0: Well, <laughs> I want to I talk through some of your, uh, your card decisions that you haven't touched on uh, okay. first. Um, the first one is uh, that you've included a single Nightmares, and I just want to say I played a deck without Nightmares at the weekend, uh, and I hated it. I, yeah. I really, really missed it, knowing that it just wasn't there and it wasn't coming to save me. There were key moments where I was just like, fire nightmares, here you know. Yep. I, I could really ha- really do with the nightmares here. Um, so, how did you find the cheeky one-off?
1: Um, originally, as I was saying earlier, I, I ran three take the black, but I found that three were too many, and there are some situations obviously where your opponent doesn't really have anything to take and it ends up being a dead card. So I bend one and put in eight nightmares, and it wasn't a wrong decision. I mean, every time I saw it in a game, it did something for me. Be that blanking a mirror so I could stop a mirror trigger, blanking a, a location, for example, that allowed me to do something. It's such a versatile card, and it is a card that people expect to see. But the thing that's good about it is they never know when you're going to use it because there are so many different ways to get value out of that card. And the problem is that um, I would always like to run three copies of Nightmares in my decks. But at the moment, there are, in most decks, there are other cards that are more important. But yeah, that card's money. I mean, it was money in first edition and it's even probably, I'd say it's even a better card in second edition than it was not first edition.
0: I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I am playing in more decks than I used to. It used to be, if I've got slots, I would put in Nightmares. Now it's, yeah. I want to find slots for Nightmares.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you are running Arry and Arya Stark. Yes. Obviously, you can't have them out at the same time. You cannot. Uh, was that a good decision in the end? Was Do, do you do you want to talk to Um
1: audience? Well... This was uh, originally something that wasn't in my deck, and then I was speaking to Whammer one day, and he was like, Oh, you should probably run Ari and an And I was like, Whammer, why would I do that? I can't have them both in play at the same time. And he was like, Yeah, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you've got Ari, you can um, bounce Ari back to hand, so you can play Aya. Your is very good to have in play after a board wipe to allow you to kind of establish board presence if you need claim soak. And there was only one game all day, I think, where I had an Arya in play and an Ary in hand, and obviously couldn't use the Arya, Um which was fine. I mean, I think if I was running multiple copies of each of them, the situation may be more difficult, but I didn't find it an issue on the day, because there were only one-offs, and as I say, you can bounce the Arya back to hand anyway. So
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um, I, I read your, uh, I read your report... The other day, but I was I was pissed, so I don't remember the specifics.
1: Um, Standard, yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, that is his report on, <laughs> on, on the Thrones DB. Um, draw. You were you were shitting cards throughout the entire thing. Am I right?
1: Yes, I mean, and it's interesting you say that because I don't know why, but until the Friday night when I did a little bit of playtesting, I wasn't playing any copies of the Old Forest Hunter, okay. and. Um, I hadn't really noticed much of an issue with needing a lower-cost character or needing gold. I mean, sometimes I'd be sure for a take-the-plaque, but the main thing I was finding was I was discarding cards every taxation phase because, yeah, with Ari and the birds, I was just drawing, you know, an epic F-tonne of cards. And because the deck plays quite tight on economy which sounds crazy for a Night's Watch deck, but, you know, for example, things like Ward and Take the Black, take a lot of your gold. Um, I was ending up with too many cards in my hand. So a combination of both being able to bin cards to get gold and therefore have the gold to play more cards led to a kind of more of a stabilized card count in hand. So I was never having to discard too many cards I mean, there were still situations where I'd have to discard a couple, but not too many. And something I was a little bit fearful of was, obviously, the Seasons agendas are still kind of the new flavor of the month agenda-wise. And I was a little bit fearful of kind of a Winter Seasons deck, Um, especially something that possibly went for a, a race in the Mist turn one and kind of completely destroyed my... Uh, Reserve Valley would have yeah really been difficult for the deck because you know you need to have maintain that card quantity over your opponent to make sure you stay in the game because for the most part your characters are pretty shit so you're not really playing many good characters um, which is quite good from a flexibility point because you can be less you can be more passive I guess in terms of defending challenges because you don't mind if something gets put or tears. Um, but at the same time, obviously, you need to therefore make sure that you can maintain a higher card quantity than your opponent, so you can actually try and recover in terms of, you know, putting some chuds on the board later in the game.
0: Okay. Uh, this is a kind of, a dual question, in that you've got Will, who is kind of risky if you're not playing a wall deck, which you aren't, but you're also including the wall. Yes. Um... Personally, I probably wouldn't bother with either. Were they worth it With for you?
1: Um, Will's an interesting choice. And it's one of those cards that would often stay in my hand until I needed it. And by that, I mean there are some games where you can kind of stabilise, but you will struggle to push through a military challenge, for example, which, once you've got the lockdown and you need to keep up the pressure because you have primarily low-cost characters, you need to make sure you can push through the challenge to kind of take full control of the game. And I found that just having um, Syrio, Ghost, and Aya with stealth on the military wasn't quite enough. So I wanted to put another stealth body in there to allow me to be more aggressive post-board wipe. And that's the primary reason I put Will in. Often I would not play him until, you know, there was a pinch point where I needed to push through. Um, And, you know, there are some games where, you know, if the ball's pretty full and I know I can defend challenges, I'd stick him in uh, just to get the stealth and the inside going. But, yeah, he is a a dangerous card to play, and sometimes it can bite you in the ass. But for me, it was more of a silver bullet for me to push through when I needed. And the wall... Sorry?
0: You can do that with Night's Watch to an extent because of how many cards you
1: can Yeah, definitely. So, okay. Yeah, You're exactly. Right. And the wall is, yeah, it's difficult. In my current version of the deck that I updated primarily to put in a Summons and Cuts the Winter Festival, just because there were a lot of games, I say a lot, two games over the weekend where I struggled because I needed to see Varys, um so i cut winter festival to put in a summon so i could see my virus more often but because of that i then was also contemplating cutting the wall for a number of reasons you know maybe to put in a frozen solid or another danella hornwood or another nightmares you know there are numerous things that could go in its place but I just can't, I just can't find myself being able to cut it because it's such a good card. Especially, again, you know, if you can be aggressive and get control of the game, it just pushes you through to victory quicker so that you don't have to worry about your opponent being able to recover. Because the problem with the deck is that, yes, it can be aggressive and get a lock on early, but if the game goes too long, as I've said, your card quality isn't very good. So if your opponent can recover and regain board presence, then you'll struggle to push through to victory. And having the wall there as a backup plan, if you need that extra power grab close to the end of the game, is just really useful. I think it potentially could be cut, but for the time being, I've still got it in there.
0: Uh, I, I, I must admit, I steal this from uh, Rowan, who mentioned it in the Paramore chat. Uh, is Sansa a better shout in that slot, as a bit of passive power gain to help you push through the victory?
1: Potentially. The, the wall
0: puts a different kind of pressure on your opponent. They have to both yeah. defend your oncoming military challenges, maintain the board position, and try and force through that unopposed challenge. It's very difficult, and uh, you don't know yeah, exactly. have to do that against a wall deck. But yeah. Sansa is perhaps more versatile in uh, in other matchups.
1: I think so too. Uh, there's two points for playing the wall with regard to that. There, one being that the wall. I mean, yeah, it does cost more than Sansa, obviously, but. Again, with your cards being mostly poor in terms of quality, having an extra strength on some of them makes a difference. And obviously, one of the things the deck was very susceptible to was being annihilated by first snow, um, which is kind of a less less of an issue than it would be otherwise because, you know, their board's often as thin as yours is. But there were a couple of games where my deck got destroyed to first note, so I cut down on my overall quantity of four or less cost characters. Um, and, you know, in a deck that's trying to be aggressive early, playing a character that comes in to play Nelt and doesn't really do anything for you until the next turn may not be a particularly useful option. Makes sense
0: to me. Uh, hang on then. I think I've got two more points, and then I'll let uh, I'll let Peel Peel have a, have a go. Um, Deneva Hornwood. I played against her at the weekend and got blown out by a surprise Dracaris because that's a loyal card. Um, yep. <laughs> what, what, how did you find her? Obviously, you had a great time with Take the Black, but is she is she good? Should she be in all banner decks, or, uh, or from what? From
1: my personal perspective, she is amazing. Okay. Like, in this deck, being able to play a Messenger Raven for free every turn is phenomenal in terms of value. Um obviously she's quite expensive but the good thing being that she's not a character that you're paying for to get some value from ability that requires you to for example kneel her I mean her ability is passive so you can still use her as a character Um, and you know as I mentioned earlier, she's one of those characters that I found was so good and I was getting so much value out of that I potentially may want to go up to two copies of her just because I thought she was so good. Um, I think it depends when you deck build, obviously, you need to take into consideration how much value you're going to get out of it. And, you know, thankfully, in the deck that I was playing, there were enough options loyalty wise that meant she was a reasonable enough choice to play. Um, I think in some decks, obviously, she won't be valuable enough. But I think if you've got enough targets for her, um, then, yeah, she can be a really useful card. And as you say, there are some decks where that surprise factor of your opponent looking at your board, realizing you're not playing fealty and seeing you have no gold and then completely missing the fact that you're playing her can just be oh, so amazing. Awesome.
0: Okay, uh, that was Wammer that got me with that, by the way.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: and I thought I was going to save my Asher with a um, with a risen, but alas, he had the hands of judgment as well. So um, Oof, I was spicy. very sad. I was like, surely this is fine. She'll be fine. I'm going to get two challenges with her. Nope. There <laughs> <Dead. laughs> enough um, brutal. Yeah, I won it on a dice roll in the end, so that's fine. See you got in the <laughs> but, better lucky than good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Alright, last uh, last point from me. Uh, is 3 right... three. I know this is like a generic... Uh, you can't ask this for every deck, but... Is 3 white trees the correct number of white trees for your deck, at least? Do you think it should be 3 in every deck? Or a lot of uh, decks? Or what, what do you
1: reckon? I Was personally I it? think... it's A, it's an amazing card and it's got beautiful artwork which makes you want to play it more. Um, B, when it first came out I wasn't particularly sold on it but as I play it more... I think it's a great card, and due to the fact that the way to get most value out of the card is to play it turn one or in a setup, you know, to get the return for playing the card and then still get value out of it. Not just in terms of locking your opponent out of gold, you need to make sure it's viable economy-wise for you because it's quite expensive. You need to see it as early in the game as possible. And that's why I think if you're playing White Tree and you're not playing three copies of it, you probably should play three copies. Because I think, yeah, as I said, you need to see it early. And the main way to do that is to give yourself as many options to draw into it. OK,
0: sure. All right. Well, uh, I think that's my uh, my questions based on what you've said and on the deck list. Um, are you a Night's nice watchman now? Is that is that your it's interesting?
1: It's interesting you say that. I mean, ever since uh, Corsair, I've been playing Night's Watch every now and then. I'd pick it up and be like, right, let's play this faction that no one plays because, you know, no one will see my Night's Watch defense deck that does nothing win. And, you know, I was playing it primarily because of the obscurity factor rather than the fact that it was A good or B fun because it really wasn't fun. I mean, just playing characters and playing the wall until you win is not particularly fun, my deck to play. It is good
0: playing with
1: Martel. (laughs) <laughs> with, sure. the, with Gaston Every,
0: as well because that, that's the NPE element of it though
1: this is true yeah. and everything's better with Martel Dave
0: it's true It's true.
1: but I think now especially seeing the success that tamas has had with his deck and the kind of interesting choices some of the card slots he put in and then yeah, seeing decks like this that can work I, I, I really like Night's Watch and they've got some really fun cards now in the next pack they've got even more fun cards that allow you to kind of Further capitalize on the fetching stuff out of the discard pile, which is both nedly, thematically amazing, and also fun to play. And one of my kind of favorite variants of decks to play is kind of recursion decks or finding stuff out of the discard pile, so that really appeals to me. Um, So, yeah, I'm definitely a a Night's Watch convert for the foreseeable, although I do want to see if I can make something fun happen with Tyrell now because they're not getting enough love. I like how in most, well, in every single big tournament for the last couple of months, I've observed that there's, whatever size the tournament is, however prestigious it is, there's always one Tyrell player. There's never more and never less. Just (laughs) one, every time.
0: Yeah. And they only ever do well if it's Whammer. This is true. Okay. Uh, Alright, well, that's my questions. Peel, have you got anything to uh, ask Bambi about the decklist? I... haven't actually sent you the list but about the deck yeah line, his experience.
2: yeah haven't haven't seen the deck list so i'm going to ask you general experiences and day and i'm going to ask you to grade them between um you know as good as england or better um, Okay, that's going to be how it works so for starters we're going to turn off with the timing schedule the timing schedule
1: okay um is the timing schedule in the Netherlands better or worse than England? Yes. <laughs> You're gonna have to give more context to that, Peel.
2: No, that's legitimately what I mean. The rounds were the rounds better laid out with the timing, or worse than in uh, England
1: tournaments? It, it worked very efficiently, and okay. it's interesting you say that, Peel. I'm going to expand on this point because you've made me say something that I've forgotten to say. The one thing that I was concerned about with the deck I played going into the tournament is that sometimes it takes very long to win. However, I say that after having birthday celebrations and playing games with the Thrones guys when we were all quite hungover on a Sunday morning. So I'm not sure if it was the fact that we were all playing very slowly or the fact that my deck takes some time to win. But that was my only real testing. So I was concerned that some of my games were going to go to time and then I wouldn't have time to have a cigarette, which, as we know, is very important in throwing
2: tournaments. It is, it um, is.
1: But no, it worked probably. perfectly.
2: Oh, nice, OK. All right, then. At lunch, um, you went out to get lunch, I'm assuming.
1: Uh, it's no, interesting not... to say that, Peel. There was no lunch break. So there was no the, lunch break.
2: There was that's no lunch
1: much. break. Nah,
2: definitely. You see, you, you wouldn't let that shit fly in a tournament in the UK. Absolutely that's not.
0: That all the time in tournaments in the UK.
2: Mate, Why, I wasn't going to give
0: a lunch break at um, Blackwater, but people made me.
2: I would. Have, I would have left.
0: You would have there. gone well
2: with, okay. Exactly. <laughs> 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 I would have left.
0: When uh, we got to the top sixteen, and uh, Ben Fox was just like. Uh, when are we having dinner I was like you can have dinner when you're knocked out <laughs> <He's>, oh, <laughs> alright
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um, yeah in fairness I didn't get there in time for dinner they'd stop serving <laughs> yeah carry on you can eat when you're dead yeah basically <laughs> so
2: there you go I know when having a cigarette were there more or less appropriate places to dispose of that cigarette in Holland
1: uh, more because they have a lot more bins. Um, however, we w- th- these are all interesting questions, Phil, because they're all relevant to the day in question. The <laughs> the owners of the store had specifically requested that we not smoke in front of the store because, and I'm going to paraphrase here, they don't want loads of sweaty-looking nerdy dudes smoking outside of the store because it's not good for business. Oh. Fair Which enough. I thought I thought it was rather rude, but. I it's, yeah, it's a game store. It is a game store. What yes. do people expect? Exactly. Apparently, it wasn't inviting for families.
0: Uh, okay. Well, it's better than like a magic tournament or something. True that. Not that I'm mm-hmm. being one, I'm just stereotyping. <laughs> any more? For any okay. more, Peel? Have you got got any more? I've got, I've got some more questions. Okay. Good.
2: Okay, I've got some lovely, lovely more questions. In a scale of one to debt, I'm sorry, honest. In a one scale, to debt, <laughs> I'm talking crazy. On a scale of one to ten, how sunny was
1: it? Um, well, thankfully, it wasn't as sunny as it had been, but uh, I'd say it was about a seven point two. However, the- at this game store, we play in the basement, and there oh. are no windows. And it's it's like a hot teenage... uh, Wait, hold on, I'm not going to paraphrase. If it's a hot teenage troll, that makes it sound like I've got a troll fetish. It's like a teenage troll's hot bedroom down there. It (laughs) smells like dude and is really warm. So it wasn't particularly inviting.
0: Was it as bad as the Norwich Regional last year, heat-wise?
1: It was worse. Really? Less paint smell and Jack shenanigans... But,
2: um, yeah, that was when we got. That was when Jack got banned from Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed there anymore. Why? He swore on the cast. That was fucking watching. <laughs> it's still live.
0: This <laughs> is like Crowe like, that's a giant kraken. I probably shouldn't play Baratheon today if I've seen a giant inflatable kraken. The morning of a <laughs> tournament. <laughs> like no, you shouldn't. But you did. <laughs> and that yep. was a mistake
2: it was it wasn't such huge. a bad and they were everywhere they weren't even just the one of them <laughs> just oh they're all over the town this was such a bad omen and the night before we had fireworks as well and he was just like no nope, I'm fucked <laughs> was it the night man? no it was that night there were
0: fireworks oh it was that um, night yeah good night I like going out in
2: Norwich yeah I just like the fireworks and the fact that we all just went to get cash where are you two locked in I've oh, been watching fireworks just by. <laughs>
1: you went to get hey, cash Dave, did you tell me that Ten Bells are shut down?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Not as far as I'm aware. I sure someone tell me.
1: Uh,
0: I haven't been in at least four months, five months, I reckon. Ten Bells.
1: Okay. I'm sure someone told me recently that Ten Bells are shut down, but I, I didn't believe it. I thought it was blasphemy.
0: I, I hope it hasn't. I was going to go to Norwich next weekend potentially.
2: Uh, to yeah.
1: any who are
2: listening to this section, which we're going to probably end up leaving in, uh, can you please confirm or deny whether Ten Bells is shut down or not?
0: Shame. I, I used to really like the Ten Bells, but uh, they got more pretentious when they re- uh, renovated, um, and yeah. now I can't tell what beers they have, because they've written <laughs> they the names the name so on the taps. No, no, it's not that they're not on the taps, it's that they've written them on the wall behind the bar, and I can't read them without my glasses, but I don't take my glasses out with me on nights out. Because <laughs> as, as you're well aware I don't need glasses for like day to day walking yeah, around we are, talking to people you
2: we know we're getting old when driving. we're moaning about the stuff's written behind the bar because no, like, we can't no, read it I can't aside from fucking that, read that, Not aside from from that like,
0: I like to choose my beer based on partly name and partly picture
2: mostly picture
0: ale, when I'm drinking ale you, you pick it on picture and as long as it doesn't say like um you know, like, as dark as the night, then, or, like <laughs> hoppier than a nun's tits or something. Uh, like, then you don't pick it, because I like my beer, like, pretty middle of the road.
2: Um, so what you're looking for is a beer that basically says, it's not great, but it will get you there.
0: No, 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 it's, it's tasty as balls, but it's not too hoppy and it's not too dark. I like it quite, quite, just middle of the road you
2: know I had a really problem, not but, like, nice you know, I
0: went to America and I had all these beers and everyone was like oh this is nice and this is nice like, but they are all they're just right. hopped to fuck
1: yeah and it's what? American beer bad no offence to like... our, any American listeners but all American beer sucks
0: <laughs> in fairness <laughs> I went to the House of Brews in New York and one of their beers was spectacular okay and, but I can't remember Boston what it
2: was Boston Lager is absolutely sublime see I don't like it's... I don't
0: like Boston Lager or Brooklyn Lager whatever it's called don't you No, I don't. Love it. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, uh, carry on with your questions, Phil.
2: In the local vicinity of the game shop, how many pubs were within a five minute walking distance?
1: Uh, Ooh. Not enough. Um, It's quite secluded, so there were places that would sell you alcohol, but not very many establishments that i would choose to partake in alcohol consumption from however after the tournament we went to a place called stan and co and in the netherlands there seems to have been uh, over the last few years from what i can determine a bit of a revolution in terms of alcohol dispension and by that i mean most of the places here are wanky hipster establishments.
2: Do they um, serve you like gas now. You know, like they, uh, here's your vodka and here's your Bunsen burner so you can drink it.
1: Uh, <laughs> they're all, yeah, quite like that. And pretty much every single place is like that. The one redeeming factor being that all of the beer here comes, mostly, well, all of the beer, most of the beer here comes from Belgium. And we all know that Belgians brew the best beer. So it's wonderful.
2: That is science. It's official.
1: Mm. It's they fact. Okay.
2: I think I'm. Uh, oh! I've got one more question. Actually, no, it. I no, no, wait, have I? Dun,
1: dun, 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 dun,
2: no, I haven't. Was it an overall nicer experience?
1: Than what?
2: Than a UK nationals.
1: No, because I miss you guys too much. Oh, oh good answer. What?
2: That was a good answer. The correct answer was, yeah, it's actually better than UK Nationals. <laughs> uh, because it's not in the UK. Well, you, haven't, you haven't
0: been to Dutch Nationals, Peel, so you can't really judge, can
2: you? I can't, but, uh, you know, one day I will go to Dutch Nationals, and I will say, this is nicer.
1: We actually had one... Well, we had some people obviously travelling from Belgium and Germany. Um, but we actually had, and I apologise for butchering his names, but Oshie, who's from Ireland fly to the Netherlands just to partake in the tournament now I haven't spoken to him since he left because we are not friends on Facebook and I do not have his mobile telephone number however after the tournament uh, in fact during the tournament I said to him numerous times hey we're going to go for drinks afterwards do you wish to join us he said yes and I was speaking to Ben Fox via the Facebook and having general chit chats which included us discussing said Oshie and then after the tournament he disappeared so Oshie I just want to say on the cast now if you're listening can you please send me a message letting me know you're still alive? If not, I will put your name on a milk carton. Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Can you do that anyway? Please. to <laughs> register him. Yeah, he's uh, he's about five for eight, uh, dark hair, Irish. He's, gi- actor.
1: he's ginger and looks Irish, so you'd never bloody he, find he him. He looks super Irish.
2: <laughs> he's chaff. Like
0: I've met him.
1: <laughs> I like the idea Lovely guy.
2: Solid Irish. crack
0: as the Irish would say
2: I'll put Irish stereotype into Google and then I'll post that picture on the side of a bowl <laughs> Where is the picture? Oh no that's Father Ted That'll do
0: <laughs> Colour his hair in. Give him a beard Jobs a good. OK Shall we move on to our uh, next topic of discussion for the day?
1: Let's do it. Exciting.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so the next thing we shall be talking about today is we're going to answer uh, a couple of listeners' questions that we didn't get through last time. Uh, and I sent these to Bambi earlier, so uh, I don't know whether you've had a chance to uh, think about them. I certainly have
1: uh, Of course I have, Dave. I'm thoroughly prepared for this episode of the prestigious banter behind the throne.
0: Good, good, because... Uh, we are, the uh, we are of course, the people's podcast. We're also the podcaster's podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, really, we hit all the boxes. Um, okay, so the first question from uh, listeners' questions. We apologise if we haven't covered your question. Um, clearly, it wasn't good enough to make the second cut. We did answer them all in our initial episode recording, um, which was a really, really long episode, and I got told off for making it too long because I was keeping people up. Um... Uh, but obviously it was lost in the ether when we had issues. Uh, so we're answering just a few. Uh, and uh, rest assured that next time we do listeners' questions, we'll try and answer all the questions, except for the weird ones from Stanley First question is from John Berenger-Webb. Do you agree with Aaron Glazer's letter regarding prize support? Uh, and how can uh, we... How, how would we sort it out? How would the Banter Boys sort out the prize support? Uh, For those who aren't aware, Glazer wrote to FFG an open letter uh, moaning about how shite prize support has been and the problems with OP. Uh, This was quite a few weeks ago now, it was already a week or so old at the time of the listeners' questions, although we hadn't had a chance to cover it, and I went into some depth um, about the varying levels of quality, and my opinions on it, but uh, we're going to let Bambi take the lead and I'll fill in any gaps that he misses, Um, and of course uh, Pia will as well. So, uh... Bambi, what. Do you agree with Glazer? And what is. Would your be. If you do agree, agree with Glazer, why and uh, how would you fix it?
1: Okay, well, firstly, Glazer's mistake was that he didn't contact Dave Bamford to assist him in writing a strongly worded letter, because Dave is the Queen's most favoured strongly worded letter writer. Can confirm. Um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, secondly, I mean, my main point with it was. Um, I I do I did read his letter at the time, I can't recall the points now, however, from playing in Dutch Nationals this weekend, and seeing the prize support, I was fucking appalled, it was a complete and utter shit, I mean, I got one of those Iron, iron Throne, you know, looks like it should be an air freshener things, mm-hmm. um, and... I gave my playmats the gold tokens and the air freshener away as soon as I received them because I would never use them.
2: Um, I would quite like the air freshener for future reference. That's quite a good idea. Um, (laughs) You need to get your new car first Bill. I do.
0: Of course you would want one that was actually an air freshener.
2: I would otherwise there would be very little point.
0: Yes. As it stands giving a first player token to someone who makes top four at nationals seems
2: pretty fucking pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a first player token, but I only play uh Joust. Well, now you can remember out of two fucking people which one to use first, yep. you cocky little shit.
0: That's what my Bell
2: Sprout tokens for. You, you <laughs> not even that. Even when they brought them in, it was like you'd pop out all your tokens when you got your new starter box. And you'd look at this thing and it's like, this is a first player token. Well I don't need that and you just okay. kind of throw it and mine's somewhere, I think. I don't fucking care where it is. I've
0: no I've got three and I've no idea where they are.
2: Yeah, couldn't care less. They're certainly
0: not with the tokens. No, Sorry, I can even
2: change. in melee, I'm pretty sure we can all decide which person's first, and then kind of calculate which way anti-clock, well, clockwise is.
1: Um. Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> just overall the the support was just complete utter garbage. Um, however, you know the one redeeming factor is that for the most part the tournaments we go and play and have additional prize support provided by the community. So at Dutch Nationals we had the obviously the nationals kit. But Ruben put a lot of effort into getting us some alt-arts. So we had an alt-art Kings of Summer, alt-art Kings of Winter, and an alt-art Valamogulis, Mm. um, which was great, you know, and made me more interested in playing the tournament than the prize support itself. Um, The one redeeming factor, at least for us, was that, you know, if we'd have paid 30 euros or something to participate and had the winner go into Worlds, you know, for every other person that played it, they'd have paid a lot of money for very poor prize support, and it just doesn't encourage people to participate much more than they would otherwise. With it being a nationals tournament and the appeal that brings with it, um, yeah, that was my two cents.
0: Yeah, the national support this year was—I mean, dead horses have been flogged in the past by other people. It's—it was worse than regionals. Um, yeah, which is just sad. Uh, i mean it was 25 quid to enter in the uk uh, what? yeah
1: that's a lot of money it's a
0: lot of money um it was uh, i mean uh, liam Hall, uh, the, the to uh, gave us some extra price support out of our, out of his own pocket which was cool oh, that's
2: um, nice
0: and uh, which was nice um and it, it you know it you know it goes towards the flights and i know sdvm had a, a big uh, a big layout uh hiring the ICC i think we were at it was it was a really cool venue to have all the things at. It's a shame there wasn't a bar like last year, but it was it was still cool being there. It was a good atmosphere. Um, but so really, the uh, even though it was a bit more expensive than I was like, like the the fault of it really lies with FFG. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Like that price support kit was just wank. Like I wanted a, a forgotten plans, but if I had not got one, I wouldn't be particularly sad. Yeah. Uh, and the prize support for anyone that didn't just participate was wank like just the map wasn't interesting like I would have kept it if I had won it but yeah I would have flogged the tokens and I would have flogged the uh, the first player token if yeah. anyone would wanted to buy them um, yeah. because I'm never going to use them and um, I like, normally keep all my, fl- all my swag the first time I win something like mm. I've got tokens and stuff I probably never use but I like to keep one of everything um and I don't often sell things, but these, like, I've just, uh, I like, I wouldn't even add it into the prize, support, prize pool for Blackwater next year. I was just like, I want to get this out of my house as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, and I want to spend a lot of money on booze to forget I even won it.
2: Um,
0: other tournaments, that F, like, Glazer moaned a lot about a lot of tournaments. Uh, Gen Con, obviously, the extra prize support on top was um, Jon Snow's, the full bleed ones. Have you seen them? Nope. Okay, so basically, it's the alt-art template for a character, uh, and then it's the corset set Jon Snow, but it's just, they've extended his art. So it's <laughs> okay. not even new art, it's just super boring. Um, Whammer managed to acquire some, and because uh, he bought a, a set of draft sets to run a draft tournament in the UK, uh, and he did one at my house, and so I have a, one of these alt-art Jon Snows, uh, which I will never use, because it's a shit card. Uh. Uh, yep. And the art isn't any more interesting than it was the first time around.
1: The thing so, that bugs me the most, though, is from, for all of the organised play, pretty much, with the exception of a couple of things, the old arts, specifically, they haven't really thought about what they should be making old arts. Like, fucking make old arts that people are going to play. I mean, you can see from reading any statistics available on any site, you know, annals, reading Facebook, going on Card Game DB, what people play. And if you're making alt arts of fucking, you know, the eerie, you know, Tumblestone Knights, you know, all these shit things that people don't play, like, yes, they've had some successes, you know, with the trading with the Pentoshi alt art and the Noble Cause alt art, um, Varus alt art, yeah, go Varus! But some of it's just been, yeah, just read statistics and make better choices.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the recent game night kits have been pretty decent in that, um, Tyrion is a great choice for an alt art.
1: The yep, art could be that.
0: better. It's it's solid, but it's not spectacular. Um, and it's too dark. Yeah. Uh, noble cause, brilliant choice, brilliant art. Can't fault that at all. And they got it the right way around in which, you know, you go to multiple game night like, kits, you end up with a playset of Tyrion. If you do well, you might get a Noble cause. Great. Same yep. with the Daenerys kit. Like, Daenerys isn't quite a good choice as to Tyrion, but she's still a good one. It's good art. Um, it's a playable card. And Pentoshi's a great shout for... Uh, yeah. For the rare prize, especially as it's limit one per deck. Like, you're only ever yeah. going to need one. Uh, at least Noble Cause you might want two, but it often you don't play two, so that's fine. Um, I like Tumblestone Knight in that the the, uh, the rare prize for that kit was Fortified Position, which doesn't affect the Tumblestone Knight because it doesn't have a text box to blank. This is true. That is the only reason. The rest it. It <laughs> Fortified Position is an odd choice for the first kit. Tumblestone Knight was a terrible choice for the first game. Um, As you say, yeah, Varus is solid, although a Stark card would have made more sense because they had a Stark-themed kit. The Stark box had just come out. But yeah, like, commonly played neutrals is what I want for the big events. I want store championships this year to be Hand's Judgment or Put to the Sword or Tears of Lease or Syria or something like that. Something that I'll actually want to play and potentially in multiples in lots of decks.
1: Did you see the old arts from the Polish Nationals? I, I think they were provided by the company that ran the Nationals, not by obviously they weren't provided by FFG, but I don't think they were like community ones. They were provided by the game company themselves, of Sun Spear and
0: they were cards, they? Oh, they were
1: they were beautiful.
0: They were they
1: were beautiful.
0: Yeah, and it's just the little things like the European countries generally seem to do this a bit better um, because they're nationals and things aren't directly organised by FFG and we've yep. had that kind of um, community spirit for many many years whereas it's just starting to come through in the US in uh, Thrones Toberfest and uh, yeah. like uh, Summer Hall's just been and they've got uh, Weekend at Ryan's um, in California and uh, that kind of thing and uh, the big New York yep. tournament so all these like fan organised tournaments with custom prize support are just kind of starting to seep through the woodwork which is cool um, so hopefully that will get better for people, but it's still not really acceptable on FFG part to to just do yep. to just make bad decisions. Like it's like someone. I'm, the thing is, if you, they just asked Nate, it would have been avoided. I'm sure. Yeah. It's like Nate, do you think first player token is a good idea? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is Forgotten Plans a good idea? Forgotten Plans isn't the terrible oh. idea, you know. I only expect to get one copy of it because I'm only going to go to one Nationals. Um, and it's only one per deck, fair enough. Is uh, Tumblestone Knight a good idea? No. Of course it's not. It's a blank card that probably won't be in decks for that long. Like, you know. Okay, have you got anything to add on Private Support Peel or shall we move on? It's shit. Come to a tournament we organise and get some Much and More's.
1: Oh, I want those Much and More's so bad. I got my face on it.
0: Whoa, oh, uh... wait. There's I'm, I'm gonna... 12 with your name on it, Bambi, because you were at the Primor Invitational. And uh, oh. that is the official participation prize for the Saturday. Oh, I did not know
1: this. Uh, yeah, fantastic. They,
0: they were, they were, that was the intention, but because we couldn't find the original art. Ah, um, uh, yes, I recall. So, yes. yeah, they're, they're not going to be wildly available to begin with. There's them, and when they get round to being printed, there'll be first edition ones as well.
1: Uh, Before we move on to the next section, I just want to point something out quickly. So for those of you who don't know me, um, that's your problem. But for those of you who do know me, you may be aware that it was my 30th birthday recently. And my fantastic girlfriend decided to make me a video uh, where she contacted my friends from across the world, primarily Thrones players, and asked them to provide a video wishing me a happy birthday and the one provided by the banter crew minus craven plus top knot mike and crocodile hammers was one of my favorites and uh, i don't know if dave and peel et al would be open to this but it, uh, it's uh, an amazing video and very thrones relevant and hilarious um so maybe dave would like to uh, post it into the uh, Show notes for the this week's podcast.
0: I'll try and remember. It was it was fun to film.
1: It was amazing, and it it killed me. It was especially the (laughs) the bit at the end with all the bunch of moles and the picture of Peel's face. Just priceless. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. uh, So the next listener question, Peel. What's your dream setup? This is from Lucas Crosby.
2: Uh, well, that's easy—an uh, Arbor and a Bitterbridge Encampment.
0: Ooh, lovely.
2: Hmm.
0: Gone then. Uh, uh, could Could you not improve that by having two duplicates of Bitterbridge Encampment?
2: You could have. You could have three uh, copies of Bitterbridge Encampment. Yes, um, that would be quite nice. That would be quite nice, and a lot of Dragon's Tail stuff on the go as well. Just over sort of, hey, Look at this. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few things, but either way, that would be, you know, that's the dream. That's what we. That's what keeps me up at night.
0: Uh, fair enough, Bambi. What's your dream setup?
1: Uh, three messenger ravens, two old forest hunters, uh, a Good. rose road, and. Uh, Something else that costs one, a reducer, <laughs> a nice watch reducer.
0: <laughs> and hope they don't open first snow.
1: As, oh yes, and a copy of uh, Forgotten Plans in my plot deck.
0: <laughs> okay, I think mine would be uh, something along the lines of three Nymerias, uh, a Bastard Daughter, a Chud, that adds up to eight, mm-hmm. uh, five, yeah, a Green Dreams on Nymeria, of course, and a Rose Road, something fun like that.
1: Nice. No Venomous Blade, Dave? What's going on?
0: You don't set up Venomous Blade. <laughs> it's fine. That's what you draw back up to. I haven't actually played with Venomous Blade yet. I haven't played Martell since... Yeah, I haven't either. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to... Yeah. Uh, it caused me hassle on su- Sunday, so... Um, it killed Ooh, my Viserys. Like Ooh, the, spicy. Um, the, the new Viserys, who claims power.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, and he
0: had two power on him, and I was on like 13 power. So that did cause me serious oh! issues. I was like, come on, I'm so close, Venomous Blade, oh no!
1: <laughs> oh, that's pretty awesome. I thought it was going to be a bad card, but now it sounds amazing and I want to play it. <laughs>
0: yeah, what, you mean Venomous Blade or the new, uh...
1: <laughs> no, <There> Venomous Blade.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: New Viserys is really good. Like, really good.
1: And Old Begerking. Viserys. Yeah, oh, true. Beggar King
0: is phenomenal. Oh my god. I had so much fun with that card.
1: Well, I think that's it. I think it's fun. I'm not sure of how good it is because it takes up spaces in your deck to not do. Yeah, it's not I limited think... economy. Yeah, this is true.
0: <laughs> it's it's really good. If you see it on setup, you're laughing. You got to build your plot yeah. deck a little around it, like you know, include some hum- summer harvests and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's really strong. Yeah. Okay, uh, Will Carter asks, and uh, Bambi, you can um, no no peel. You can start with this one. Uh, do you consider your early years of playing Thrones your hungry years? And do you miss them? I do miss them. Yeah? Why is that?
2: Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's just just better. Better days. You know, there was no pressure. You know, you'd go in. Who's that guy? I don't know. I can be invisible. I'll still a pair of jeans. Life's much simpler when you're a pair of jeans, Dave. This is true. This
1: as is long true. as you're not washed. <laughs>
2: There's a point. That ruins jeans. You got to put them in the fucking freezer.
0: What are you? What about you, Bambi? Do you, do you miss the hungry years? The ones. That uh, it's,
1: some, it's something I think of a lot because obviously before I played Thrones, I yeah, so I apologise for saying, but you know, I played Magic and then I played the world of warcraft tcg and then i played card fight vanguard and played various different things competitively and i quite like the when you first get into a card game especially competitively like getting yourself to the point where you're competitive but also like meeting all the new people is quite fun and exciting and you know whilst i get a different enjoyment out of having like the thrones family you know, I do miss the, the early days of competition where you're kind of really nervous and willing to prove yourself and things. But uh, no, I, I I wouldn't say I miss them. It's just a, a different experience.
0: I miss playing uh, playing bad cards and not knowing any better. Stuff like best edition <laughs> crossroads um, and waffle running five copies of gold roads in his uh, in his deck because he didn't know any better. It's like <laughs> waffle. Is that a fourth gold road? Oh yeah. Well, you should probably bring that yeah, yeah, I probably should. Draw another card. All right. Two turns later. Waffle. Is that your fifth gold road? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Oh fuck. <laughs> Swap. Um, ah, the good old days. I miss that. I miss. Uh, I miss turning up to a tournament with a deck that dominated the local meta and then. Actually, it's not quite as good as you think it is because you know with an Iceland, <laughs> you don't know what you do. I mean, I did all right, but uh, I thought you yeah, know this deck is like super good. And yeah, uh, yeah I went three two in my first tournament, but it, it wasn't super good.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: So uh, so that that I, I do I do miss that. I do uh, I do miss that. You know, no pressure to perform.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you guys are famous now, so you need to show up and represent.
0: Yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. All, right, All your
1: fans there, you know.
0: <laughs> I uh, uh, want you. <laughs> well, that's one way to put it. Um, I'll ask this of you, Bambu, because you know him quite well. Uh, Reese asked this question, Reese, Reese Pace. Uh, how much skill did uh, Bloodthirst and Knights of the Hollow Hill take to pilot? Uh, and I believe this is purely talking about the Martel variants of these. Uh, obviously Martel Bloodthirst, but Martel Hollow Hill. So for those who... Um, don't know them they tended to be tended to be but not always uh, character light with lots of control events and resets uh, and then you drop the red viper and win um so how much skill did they take to pilot and do you think of less of whammer because he said they were skillless
1: um uh, as much as reese is my friend uh, i will say for two reasons that i don't think they would take an uh A lot of skill to pilot, firstly because Reese can pilot them successfully and secondly because Reese would always defend the deck and say that because if you have so many options you need to make sure you make the right one at the right time and I would say because you had so many cards and ways to stop your opponents, you know there are numerous ways that you could play the turn correctly and get away with it whereas a lot of decks don't have that card quantity and quality to be able to kind of take control of the game So, you know... Yes, I'm sure that it was a reasonably skill-intensive deck, but I think it was one of those decks that isn't the most high-end of skill piloting. And and I'll kind of reiterate again and reinforce the point that if Reese can play it well, and take a similar deck to the top four of Star like any dumb schmuck can play it to.
0: (laughs) Phil?
2: I don't know. I don't really want to comment too much on it anymore. It's one of those things now where it's just it's it's not complicated. But then again, does it need to be? It does the job, you know. Door handles—they're not complicated. You even pull them. You pull them down. You enter the door. You pull close them. But what if it's one
1: that you have to twist or that you have to push or pull and doesn't actually require any twisting or pushing or force of any kind? Door handles can be quite complicated. And what if you push when it says pull and you don't read it properly?
2: Then <laughs> you look like a twat. Ah, <laughs> oh, he just walks into the door again. Oh, crap. Oh, well. Um, yeah, that is a good point. I, I, I'm i just not... It's one of those things now I'm just kind of... I'm getting used to it. I'm just going to build combat it. That's my idea. You no, know, don't give me problems. Give me solutions.
0: Well, if you we want to build to combat, uh, combat Knights of the Hollow Hill at the moment, go for it. Uh, <laughs> I recommend Three Hands Judgment as a start.
1: Um, oh, that would be legit. <laughs> yeah. Other other multiple that, copies of March to the Wall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just basically. Um, and then you're done. That that's fine. Uh, but you probably won't have much success playing against any other deck. That it actually exists. Um, I, I have. I'm in two minds about these decks. I don't like the character light versions. I don't think they're that skill intensive. I think they're not super easy to pilot. Like you can't just give someone to someone who's bad at yeah. cards and yeah. they can't, you know, win. Like Reese is a good card player, um, and he took like it, you know, ducks of water with this kind of deck. But I think uh, the versions that Roan and I have played of these decks are much more fun and much more skill intensive. Roan played a character like version of Bloodthirst that ran things like uh, Arthur Dane who didn't need to defend, and lots of icon manipulations so that he he used a few very good characters to actually you know play a kind of controller game rather than just the the super reset, drop the viper and win kind of. Uh, yeah, kind of version. Whereas I played a, a Knights of the Hollow Hill deck, which ran instead of the uh, the seven characters that Reese ran in his Bloodthirst deck, my Knights of the Holy Hill one ran about twenty-seven, uh, which is <laughs> very heavy for that kind of deck. It cut down on locations considerably instead, and it ran the resets, it ran the heavy control events, but um, it also ran a lot of uh, like utility car, utility characters, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it ran enough renown that you could actually like aggro it out and just win like turn two or three, um, because it just had all these renowned characters in it. So uh, it, depending on the uh, matchup and the uh, and what you drew, you had to play that deck very, very differently to the average Martel Holo, yeah. which I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I think that required more skill. And of course, I, I think less of Whammer every day because his names are getting worse, and uh, he should just play Funhouses. Right. True that. Um, okay. Uh, last question for today. Luke Waterley has asked us, and I'll uh, I'll lay this out to Bambi first. Uh, can you explain to him the difference between an American and an English growler? And of course, do you know what an American growler is?
1: I'm really concerned about typing this phrase into Google. Just, um, just type I'm, American growler, and you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm going to refrain from clicking images.
2: Please click images.
1: Please <laughs> click images. It looks like some kind of tractor. It's it's some sort of like... Can we material. have a can we have a guest appearance from Tractor Pete to tell us why this is not a tractor?
2: <laughs> I would rather cut my nipples off than have a chat with Tractor Pete on a podcast. It'd be... He um, you, you just wouldn't stop. It'd be horrible. Casey like, so much room. stuff. Shut up, Pete.
1: Okay. Yeah. So... An American growler is a vehicle, but an English growler is a vagina. Are we going with this synopsis?
0: I think that's as succinct as you can get it.
1: Okay. (laughs) However, oh, this is interesting. If I type English growler into Google and then click images, one of the first images near the top is a Pokemon card called growler with 190 HP and a picture of a lion's face. And some abilities, but it's oh. card-related, so mildly relevant.
0: I like it. English Growler rather than English Growlith, which is what that should be, really.
1: This no, no, is does true. Say Growler, doesn't it? Yes.
0: Dodge. There are a lot of... Pokemon can dodge. What?
1: There are a lot of beers on here as well, which now makes me want to drink a beer. Oh. oh. Well, Thirsty. I
0: recommend it. Um, I find it very difficult to podcast without beer. <laughs> or at least much less fun.
1: Oh, this one looks nice. The Crafton Growler. Oh,
0: <laughs> Very nice. Okay, uh, so we move on to our, uh, you know, the home straights now. Um, before, uh, before we wrap up, Peel, do you want to give us a bit more information on your cat? Uh, it's we, cat. We've had some, we've had some names come in. Uh, yeah. We're going to be selecting the top X names and we're going to put them out on a poll Uh, but do you want to give any more information about your cat before we put the final list to the popular vote
2: I think we're about ready to go with it I think it's time to go the cat is happy Um, loves a bit of a catness you know just like oh look how cat like you are she's all good she doesn't worry
1: she's happy she's very good Um, at being a cat
2: She's quite annoying at the moment, I must admit. Um, jumps all over me, does loads of shit. So it's a bit like, ah, painful. But yeah, no, it's all good at the moment. I'm, I'm good. She's good. Everyone's good.
0: Okay. Well, uh, with the episode, I'll put up a poll and uh, see what people like as the the final name for the cat. And we'll uh, we'll announce that when we're next on, probably about two weeks from now. Um, and if you win, you win the play, Matt. Very exciting. Uh, mm. So, before we move into our final segment, I'd like to thank Bambi for joining us. It's been a pleasure.
1: Pleasure as always.
0: And, uh, Peel, uh, we've, we've had a request from a, a listener, Luis Bretas from uh, Brazil, and he said, uh, Can you give us uh, Peel's tip for a noob for, uh, you know, for the week? and uh, if we, we enjoy, we're going to give you a go this time and if we enjoy it maybe it'll become a weekly thing but uh, if you've got a tip for a new player today thrones related or just general life related uh, what would it be
2: top tip top bit of advice for
1: new thrones players when going to a tournament shower beforehand